What's good, everyone? I'm Brian Sampson. You can find me on Twitter at Bucks Film Room. I write for Brew Hoop and I'm a contributor for Forbes Sports, so make sure to check out my work. And I appreciate you guys tuning in to the Bucks Film Room podcast as well. As you guys know by now, the Milwaukee Bucks won their first playoff series in 18 years, and they did it by sweeping away the Detroit Pistons in beautiful fashion. And we finally get to talk about it on this podcast. This podcast drops every Thursday, so make sure to check it out under the Brew Hoop feed on Spotify, iTunes, etc., etc. You know where to find us. Just hit that subscribe button, that like button. We appreciate everything you guys do for us. This podcast wouldn't happen without you guys, so we really appreciate you guys. So, first things first, I guess, is we now know who the Milwaukee Bucks are going to play in the first round, or in the first round, or past the first round, in the second round in the conference semifinals, as they'll be lining up against the Boston Celtics. And on Wednesday, the schedule was announced. So, they tip off the series, Game 1, in Milwaukee, as you guys all know, on Sunday, April 28th at 12 p.m. Central Time. So that'll be Game 1, and then Game 2 will stay in Milwaukee on Tuesday. The time for the rest of the series is still to be decided, so we don't exactly know what that looks like yet, but we know they'll be playing Tuesday, April 30th for Game 2. They'll be playing Friday, May 3rd for Game 3, and so they'll get that extra two-day break there because the series will shift to Boston then for Game 3. Game 4, stay in Boston, and it will be on Monday, May 6th, so about a week and a half from now. And then Game 5 will go back to Milwaukee on Wednesday, May 8th. And then Game 6, right back to Boston on May 10th. And then Game 7, back to Milwaukee on May 13th. And of course... Game 5, 6, and 7 always come with that asterisk if necessary, if required, because, you know, there's always that chance that the that the Bucks might just sweep the Celtics as well. We'll find out. And Milwaukee is really coming off of a beatdown of the Detroit Pistons. <clears throat> Detroit was very physical in that last game. Milwaukee went to the line a bunch of times. I don't think there's too much that we need to recap about that series I don't think there's too much that we learned about the Bucks from that series. They did exactly what they were supposed to do in that situation. Detroit was overmatched, even with, even if Blake Griffin would have been on the floor for all four games and even if he would have been healthy. They were still overmatched without Griffin for the first two and then with a hobbled version of Griffin for the final two. They still got blown out by double digits in each game. It is what it is. I don't think there's much that we need to look back and focus on that game. Let's just keep it moving forward and let's talk about this matchup with the Boston Celtics. The first thing that I want to go through is just kind of general talking about disappointment versus failure. So what happens if the Bucks end up losing this series, which is a real possibility. I think it's a real possibility they'll lose this series. I don't think it's the most likely outcome. I think the most likely outcome is that Milwaukee takes down Boston, but it's a possibility that Boston defeats Milwaukee. So if that happens, I know there's a lot of... each. Everybody has their own opinion about is it a is it a failure then is this a failed season for the bucks if they bow out in the second round after everything they've accomplished after they racked up 60 victories after they wrapped up home court advantage throughout the entire NBA playoffs not just the Eastern Conference after they have the probable MVP and 
this might be their best team that they have for the next few years. So is this a failure if they lose in the second round of this of the of the playoffs in the conference semifinals? And I say no, it's not a failure if they lose. If they somehow are defeated in this conference semifinals against Boston, I don't think it's a failure. I think it's a huge disappointment. I don't think there's any way around that. It's a disappointment right now. Probably anything less than the NBA Finals or, yeah, I would say anything less than the NBA Final appearance is a disappointment for most Bucks fans. And for this second round of playoff exit would be a huge disappointment. Sights are set high. Hopes are high. Everybody feels like this team can do it, and this is the team that can really make a strong push to get into the NBA Finals and then push the Warriors. I don't think they would be a uh, flop against any team, so I think that is really huge. Um, I think that, you know, that's kind of the difference is, is if you look at where we were at the beginning of the season and you said the Bucks made the second round, you wouldn't say that season was a failure. This is a team that hasn't made it to the second round of the playoffs in 18 years. Player Giannis, who has never made it, a lot of these guys. So I think that that is the huge difference between disappointment and failure. And I think that this season is not a failure if if they make it to that second round. Because, like I'm saying, those preseason expectations were that they would make it to the second round and that would be a good season. And so I think those, we can't change those as far as defining the season as a failure or a success, but I think we can be very disappointed and we will be very disappointed, disappointed if Milwaukee bows out. With that being said, knocking on wood, I, I hope that doesn't happen. I don't think that will happen. I have no inkling. I've started to dive into the film and see what these two teams are all about. We'll talk about some of those matchups some of those really critical matchups about what's coming up and what to watch for, what will be the defining moments of the series. And so we'll talk about those here in a little bit. But I don't think, I think at worst, the Bucks get taken to seven games and upended in this, in seven games. I think that there's a much more likely chance that the Bucks sweep the Celtics than vice versa, or even that the Bucks sweep the Celtics than Boston taking this game in five or six. I think Milwaukee is clearly the better team and we will see what that looks like. And we will, you'll really, the best thing about this is it'll get to play out. People can talk big. I know on Twitter, both fan bases are gearing up. We have a few days now with until any game starts. So these fan bases are really kind of going after one another, talking about, you know, this team, we're going to smoke you. There's some article. <clears throat> I don't even know who he was. Wrote it, tagged Brew Hoop in there, tagged Mitchell Maurer, the site, one of the site managers for Brew Hoop. And it was really just, oh, the, I think this is a quote from it. Like the Bucks are the paper champions of the 2018-19 NBA regular season or some baloney like that. And don't even waste your time. Don't give him the clicks or the attention. It's whatever. He got ratioed on Twitter like he deserves. But I think it's just... The fans are going at it. You know, you need something to do for these five days. You can only analyze a matchup for so long and so intensely. And that's just where we're at at this point. In my eyes, Boston, they have the target on their back. Yeah, Milwaukee's coming into this with 60 wins. They're coming into this as the number one seed, as the best regular season team. They're coming in with all these accolades of potential MVP, all this stuff. 
But Boston is the one, in my eyes, with the target on their back. They had the exception or the expectation coming into the season that they would be the best team in the Eastern Conference. They had the expectation coming into the year that they would be the team representing the Eastern Conference in the NBA Finals. With LeBron James moving out of Cleveland and taking his talents out west, this was really supposed to be the Boston Celtics year. They have a deep team. They have a talented team. They have veterans. They have young guys. They have everything you could ask for. This was supposed to be their season where they took that jump, finally made it out of the East, and finally represented the East in the NBA Finals. So this whole year was supposed to be their time. But did they capitalize on that? No. They went from winning 55 games last year and losing in the Eastern Conference Finals for the second straight season to winning 49 games this year. They're, they got worse on defense. They got a little better on offense, but worse on defense. Overall, their rating dropped. And, I mean, that's just kind of where they were at. They got bored for a team that really hasn't won anything besides a couple of conference finals appearances. They got bored with the regular season. Everyone's talking about how... They would turn it on in the postseason. Yeah, they swept the Indiana Pacers, but without Victor Oladipo, I'm not even sure the Pacers are a playoff team. If they're a playoff team, they're more like an eight seed. So that doesn't mean much to me either. I think that Boston, they're the ones that we talked about that disappointment versus failure. If they lose in this second round, their season is without a doubt a failure. They're healthy, minus Marcus Smart but they have all their other big guns. If they lose to the Bucks, regardless of 4, 5, 6, 7, if they lose to the Bucks, their season is a failure based on their expectations coming in, based on the talent on their team, based on their coaching ability, all the above. This season is an absolute failure for the Boston Celtics if they do not advance past the second round of the playoff. If they bow out, before the conference finals. This season is a failure for them. So they have that target on the back. They have all the pressure. The Bucks, you know, this is their first time advancing this far. They can play loose like they have all season. They can have fun with it. They can play their brand of basketball. And Boston beat Milwaukee last year. So Milwaukee's going to be hungry for that as well. Giannis, he doesn't forget very easily. He remembers. The North remembers. I don't know if the Bucks are the North or if that's Toronto, whatever. But Milwaukee and Giannis, they remember. They lost to the Celtics in seven games last year. They felt like they deserved that game, that series, that they felt like they were very deserving. They played their arses off, and they worked hard. In the end, the Celtics had more talent, even without Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. Neither of those two players appeared in any game last year. They were both hurt, both out for the whole postseason. So neither of those guys suited up, but still, the the Celtics beat the Bucks last year. Milwaukee remembers that. They want revenge. They want this series very badly. Obviously, both teams do, but Milwaukee has that extra chip on their shoulder. They can play loose. So that's why I think that Boston, they really are the ones with all the pressure. They're the ones with the target on their back. They feel that. It's a bunch of veteran guys who are getting down. You know, They understand this pressure and what it means. And they understand that these 
situations that these chances don't come around all that often. So they really are the ones with the target on their back and the ones with all the pressure riding in the series. And I think that we'll see that reflected in the Bucks game. They'll play like they have all year. People have talked about Eric Name of the Athletic, Matt Velasquez. They've talked about how this Bucks team has been very loose and very fun and friendly to be around. And I think that will show even in the postseason. And Milwaukee will be able to play loose play free, and most importantly, they'll be hungry. All right, well, let's just take a quick ad break, commercial break, and we'll be right back. All right, so what what are going to be the defining factors in this game? Playoffs are all about matchups, right? So it all comes down to which team can it take advantage of their matchups everyone has certain advantages and disadvantages and I feel like in this series by now you probably know that one of the biggest matchups to be aware of is Al Horford versus Brooke Lopez and it can't be talked about enough because this really is going to be one of the defining matchups of the series and I'm going to actually write an article about it on Brew Hoop it'll probably drop on Friday so make sure that you check that out but overall By now, we've documented, we've talked about on this podcast in depth and in detail about how the Bucs play their pick-and-roll defense. And that pick-and-roll defense is going to be huge because two of the matchups that I have highlighted here are Horford Lopez and Bledsoe, Eric Bledsoe and Kyrie Irving. And a lot of that will be that, you know, the different, the game within the game, the nuances of the pick-and-roll defense. And Horford, he is an adequate three-point shooter and will and can make the Bucks pay from downtown. Horford made 36% of his catch-and-shoot threes in the regular season on three attempts per game. And that was also his exact percentage in the regular season just overall. But versus the Bucks, he his catch-and-shoot attempts skyrocketed. They went from three a game to eight and a half a game in the two games he played against Milwaukee. So it's more than doubled. And he connected on 35.3% of them. So even though his attempts went up five and a half per game, he still hit a very, very solid and in a pretty good 35.3% of them. So that's going to be huge. The Bucks in their pick-and-roll defense. Horford will come up and set that ball screen with, with Lopez guarding him and with Bledsoe probably guarding Kyrie. Lopez will drop into the paint. Kyrie will do his fancy dribbling, probably drop it out to Horford on the three-point line, and he'll be able to bomb away. And the Bucks, you know, they're going to have to figure out what they're going to do. If Horford gets hot, it could be a long night because Boston can run that set over and over again. If he misses a few, that might play to the Bucks' advantage. I think that if he stays about at that 35%, Mark, like he did in the regular season, it'll be really interesting to see what head coach Mike Budenholzer does for the Bucks because it'll depend on all the other factors in the game. He loves to stay in that drop, pick, and roll coverage in his base defense for as long as possible. He does not like to come out of that thing. And I think that he will start the series in this and make Boston shoot him out of that defense. After all, that's a defense that led Milwaukee to the number one ranked defense in the NBA last this year. And so why change things up just because of the threat? Make Boston prove, make Horford prove that he can knock that down and that he will knock it down. And not just in one game, but every night. I feel like every night, unless something dramatic and drastic happens, you start out in your base defense and make Boston prove it time and time again. So that's how I feel about how that matchup will go down. But it'll be interesting because 
the Bucks showed, especially down the stretch and as the season went on, that they will go to that switching defense if they're down in the fourth quarter. Um, and it's worked a number of times to ignite comebacks. Will DJ Wilson get in and play? That'll be interesting to see. I'm I'm worried about his lack of offensive ability. We'll see how that plays out. Mirtich, he got hot there those last two games against Detroit. He found his three-point shot. That's great. That'll be awesome. He can stretch that floor as well. I'm not sure how he'll do in a switching defense, but he'll probably fare a little better than than Lopez. And to be fair to Brooke, he did very well in switches this season. And that'll be something to keep an eye on. What does Budenholzer want to do? This is exactly why the emergence of DJ Wilson and the trade for Mirtich and the acquisition of Ursan Ilyasova were huge. The Bucks, they have so many options. They have so many options of what they can do. They can stick in their basic drop, pick, and roll coverage with with Lopez. They can go to a switching defense with Ursan. They can try a more moderate, normal, average defense with Ursan or Mirtich. And so they're their options are endless. They're not just stuck. They're not just pigeonholed in one defense. Oh, if we're getting killed in this pick and roll in our drop coverage, we have to stick with it because we don't have any other options. No, they have Boonholzer has plenty of options and he will be well prepared. He'll have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, plan D, so on. He will know how to react. It may not work, but he'll have a plan for how to adjust and how to make some of those in-game changes. So that's that's that coaching, that game within the game. I love that. And we'll see what Budenholzer drops here because that'll be so important. When the Bucks played Boston last year in the playoffs, it was Joe Prunty versus Brad Stevens. Are you kidding me? That's David versus Goliath, but David didn't win. Goliath smashed him. So this will be very interesting now that the Bucks have an adequate, adequate coach. How will that go? The Bucks took Boston to seven games last year. Granted, it was without Kyrie and Gordon Hayward, but it was with Joe Prunty at the helm. I don't even know if he knows how to make an in-game switch. That was sarcasm. He obviously does. But my point is, Budenholzer will be well-equipped, and he has, Budenholzer, to be fair as well, has a lot more weapons at his disposal, a lot more versatility. So that'll be interesting to see. And the other side of that matchup is Eric Bledsoe versus Kyrie Irving. Kyrie is a bomber from the outside, shot 40% from the three-point line, and he can hit those pull-ups. He hit 37, uh, 35.5% of his pull-up threes, which is dangerous. If Lopez drops, Kyrie has that option to pull up from the three-point line and shoot away. That's an uh, that's the weapon in the pick and roll that the Celtics can also go to. So I'm very excited to see how that goes. Bledsoe, he proved to be one of the best guards, defensive guards in the NBA this season. He's all over the place. He's going to make Kyrie work. He's a lot more locked in. He's a lot more focused. He understands his role in this team and he thrives in that role. That's why he was one of the first guys to get the extension because of what he's, because of how he's bought into Boonholzer's system and what he's done on the court. But so he's going to want his revenge from last season. He got clowned. There are memes made about him. There's some guy named Terry Rosier, Rose, Rosier, making jokes about him, comparing him to Drew Bledsoe, who the Packers smoked in the Super Bowl. This guy, Rosier, he got under Bledsoe's skin. Bledsoe tried to come back, tried to play hard, but he was just awful in that series. So he's going to want to come back for this, and he's going to have to stay in control. He's going to have to stay poised. He can't 
try to do too much. This Bucks team, what makes them so great is behind Giannis, they have four guys who can be that number two option, and they'll be getting Brogdon back at some point in this series, hopefully. So Bledsoe's got to understand what his role is. It's to work on defense. Kyrie, he's going to get his. He's a great ball player, but make sure that Irving is working on every single possession. That's number one. Bledsoe can make Kyrie work on offense too. He's not a slouch. He's really found his groove in Detroit. He can take him to the hole, maybe pick up a couple fouls on Irving and make him work and just stay in control. Don't try to do too much, even though that's going to be there, especially when the series shifts to Boston, especially when Rozier and Bledsoe get matched up on one another. It's really going to be difficult for Bledsoe to stay in the moment, stay poised, but that's what he's got to do. That's something that we all have to keep our eye on as this series goes on. The last matchup that I want to talk about is whoever guards Giannis. It's likely going to be Al Horford to start games. I think that they'll go with Horford. I think they'll put Gordon Hayward in the lineup and that's how they'll match up is have Hayward potentially go on Lopez as the four and then Horford on Giannis. And so we'll see how this works. Last year, there's a little bit of that. Aaron Baines got it a little bit of Giannis last year. Semi, he was a main guy. And when I talk about last year, I mean the postseason and it sort of didn't work. I mean, Giannis averaged 25.7 points per game, but that was on 40 minutes. So I think that Giannis easily has to get to 30 a game this time around and then get that help around from his teammates like they've been doing all season long and I think he can do that Giannis can do that he's improved from last year his strength his ball handling his moves he's a better shooter from three-point line from the elbows and most importantly he's got that space last year is just a cluster in the lane and Boston even though they weren't always trying like they basically were allowing Giannis to get his at at points in that series. But still, this year, they won't have the opportunity to have four bucks in the lane with Giannis trying to drive or whatever. And they'll have to work hard. They'll have to pick. Do you want Horford to try and match up with Giannis and potentially get into foul trouble? And then that takes away your threat on the other end of the floor as well. So it'll be interesting. This back and forth. I love it. This is what it's all about. And we'll see how, how everyone counters and how this series rolls out and rolls on and how it plays out. All right, so let's just touch the three-point shooting overall. I know that we've talked about it with in regards to Kyrie Irving on the the or, uh, Kyrie Irving on the dribble pull-ups and Al Horford on the catch and shoots, but overall Three-point shooting is going to be important. The Bucks give up a lot of threes. And the Celtics, they shot 36.5% on 34.5 attempts per game from behind the arc in the regular season. And basically, which I know both those seventh, they were seventh in the NBA on their percentage and attempts per game. So that'll be huge. They don't really have an issue bombing away. If Milwaukee's going to give that to them, it'll come down to can they hit enough shots? In a seven-game series, can they make enough shots in four of those games to make the Bucks pay? It's a numbers game, and Mike Budenholzer might challenge him. I don't think you can do it for four games. I don't think you can do it for a full game because our offense is good enough to keep pace for those stretches where you're getting hot. So we'll see how that goes. We talked about Kyrie shooting 40.1% overall, and that pick and roll will really be huge, that pick and pop, I should say. But Marcus Morris, he hit 37.5%. Jason Tatum, he hit 37.3%. So how the Bucks defend this three-point line, that'll go a long way in determining the outcome of this series. 
And then the other, the last thing that I have is rebounding. The Bucks, when they want to push the pace, they want to get out and run. Giannis is great in transition. Eric Bledsoe is great in transition. They have a lot of guys who can really make teams pay, and so they want to get out and run. In order to do that, they got to rebound the basketball. The Celtics hurt them last postseason on the glass. This year, it should be a completely different story. The Celtics are 20th in offensive rebounds per 100 possessions in the regular season, where the Bucks were first in defensive rebounds per 100 possessions. So Milwaukee should have no issue controlling the glass, and they should have zero issue and be able to get those rebounds, get out and run, make Boston make choices on the fast break either Boston's gonna have to foul give up buckets give up open looks at threes you know that's tough to do and that's where Milwaukee really thrives is out in transition and how to make other teams make quick decisions in tough situations so we'll see how that goes I don't envision the Bucks having anywhere near the problems they had last year but it's definitely something that will be huge because Al Horford he can be a good rebounder and how will that how will this go the the Celtics might not use two bigs like they did with Baines and Horford in the first series. Overall, I think the Bucks will dominate the glass, and I think that will really set up their offense and not allow a guy like Horford to get back and get set up on defense on Giannis. Make some of those other guys like Kyrie Irving or Gordon Hayward or Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown pick him up in transition and really make him work that way. So overall, you can just throw the first the first round of the playoffs out the window for each team. We didn't really learn anything. The Pistons, the Pacers, the teams they are now, they're trash, they're garbage. Ace seed material, both of them. So we didn't really learn anything. Neither team really had a challenge. Boston, I guess they were trailing in every in the fourth quarter of every game, I believe. And so I just heard that on Lockdown Celtics today. So they had a kind of a challenge, but overall they swept the series away. The Bucks swept the series away. So don't take anything that you learned in that first series or you think you learned, you didn't learn it. It was just a bland series. Both teams are prepared. Both teams will be well-rested. We should get the best versions of each team. Brogdon hopefully can come back as well, add that another weapon to Milwaukee's lineup, and we'll see how that good how that goes. The Celtics, they're a very good team. They... Like I said, there's a chance that the Celtics can beat the Bucs in this series. But the most likely outcome is that Milwaukee wins it. If the Bucs can play their game, do what they've done all season long, do what they've done over the last 86 games, the Bucs will be fine. They don't have to do anything special. They don't have to. There's not a bunch of what-if scenarios. There's not a bunch of, well, if the Bucs hit 40% of their threes or if they rebound, no, 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 no. Just if the Bucs do what they've done all year long, they will win this series. Well, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bucks Film Room. You can find me on Twitter at Bucks Film Room and this podcast under the Brew Hoop feed. I'll catch you next time, Bucks fans.